Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by Kate, and she's going to share some of her experiences living in the chronic community. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name's Kate, like Alex said, um, and I'm 27 and living in Tennessee, and I have fibromyalgia and bipolar disorder. I've had fibromyalgia diagnosed since I was 20 and bipolar diagnosed since I was 24. Okay. And I don't think they play into each other, but do they have any sort of uh, like, I guess, play off of each other, one because of the other? Or they're just completely separate. And- um, they are separate, except that um, in personal cases, in me, they do interact. Okay, so they interact, so, but one's not caused by the other, or right. vice versa. Okay, that makes exactly. sense. I didn't, I didn't think so, but I have to ask. Yeah, they are separate. Because I know like um, way too much about colitis, but I don't know anything about other diseases other than what I've been learning, or you know, different sort of uh, diagnoses. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, can you give a rough rundown of what each is? Yeah, so fibromyalgia is essentially widespread chronic pain without an obvious cause. So there's no test for it. The only way you can be diagnosed is by word of mouth symptoms, explaining to your doctor what's going on. Okay. So, and there's a couple of criteria. It has to be in more than one area of your body it has to be widespread okay and you can have fibromyalgia and have another cause of chronic pain but it's much much harder to get diagnosed because fibromyalgia is much more commonly known and more commonly known and if you have another cause then the pain is probably coming from that instead of from fibromyalgia at least in the minds of a lot of doctors Got it. Got it. Okay. So it's kind of like a just narrowing down potential causes. And once you narrow everything else out, you're like, well, we're left to fibromyalgia. So kind of how you get to it. Yep, exactly. Okay. So how long did that one take to get diagnosed? Because like you said around 20, was it like a couple of years and 20 was when it finally got diagnosed or was it fairly quick? Yeah. I was very lucky in that I was diagnosed pr- fairly quickly. A lot of people with fibromyalgia have it for years before they get a diagnosis. But for me, it was just a few months. Um, That's not bad. bad. I went to the doctor and we thought it was mono. Um, So we tested for mono and it came back negative. And so we tested for mono again because we were so sure. And it still came back negative. And then we tested for everything else under the sun. And both my grandmothers have fibromyalgia. Okay. So, so it came like up much thing, earlier. So got it. Yeah. Got that kind of background on it. So you already, people already in the family know what you're looking at. Like, Hey, look here. It does. Yeah. I think that definitely does help when you have the family members and, that have similar things. And it does tend to run in families. So if, so it is if it's in the, the family, then it, ones. okay. Yeah. 
All right. And then you said bipolar disorder. Yes. Bipolar disorder, I think, is more commonly known, but has a yep. lot more misconceptions about it. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily sudden mood swings on a regular day within a day. Okay. Um, is, it's more. Is it something that has like a range, like you can have mild to more severe? Yes. Like I have relatively okay. mild bipolar disorder. I've okay. never been so manic that I, it was dangerous. Okay. Um, there's okay. bipolar one and bipolar two, and I never can remember which one's which. Um, but for one of them, it's really the manic episodes that determine how severe your bipolar is. Um, some people get so manic that they are a danger to themselves and even others sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I've never been that manic and I'm glad of it. Okay, so- And then, like then of course, there's the depressive side as well, which is never fun. So for you, is it like, and you said it's not like instant changes. Can it be over like a week things change, over a couple days? Can the morning be good and then the afternoon just be horrible? Um, and then do you, do you kind of take anything for it that manages it? Or does it is it kind of mild enough where you just know what not to focus on or what to focus on? Yeah, I do take a couple of medications okay. um, that just help to keep me stable. Um, my last manic episode was this year, but it was the first one in a while. Um, so my meds are very much helping with that. Um, but the mood, the switch can be very sudden. So it can be a great morning and then a terrible afternoon. Okay. But it usually lasts longer than a day. So if I'm manic, I'm usually switches. manic for like a week. Okay. So it, it, um, it, it kind of lingers for a while. Yeah. If I'm, and depression, the depressed episodes usually last even longer. Got it. Okay. Um, and is, is that something like, I know personally with colitis um, and Crohn's too, because they kind of fall in the same category, just different areas. Mm -hmm. um, is that something like stress can really kind of bring it on? And like we refer to it as a flare up. I don't know if it's yeah, the same. it's the same with fibromyalgia, has flare-ups. Yep. Um, bipolar, not so much. Bipolar just, has episodes, okay. either manic or depressed. And any specific thing that brings it on or just kind of happens in the course of just happening? Um, it just kind of happens. Things can bring it on, um, but what makes it bipolar is not really having a cause got it as okay. well so if you get sad because something sad happened that's normal that's just yeah that's just life depressed because yeah. you're dealing with some stuff that's just that's just life yeah that's that's fair okay so i get i mean okay I ask because I know, like personally with colitis, Crohn's, and I've talked to a couple other people with different diagnoses that, you know, the stress and mental health side of it can affect things. So this is one of those things like you can be good, you can be doing everything right, you know, working out, work's going good, 
home life's good. You haven't, you know, you're doing your hobbies and whatever. And then just boom, it's just kind of like, okay, nope, don't feel like doing anything. Kind of puts you in a depressive state. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, once you- Except that on my medications, it, um, I've not really had that happen. Okay, so it kind of just- My meds are good. Keeps it. Now, is that something, did you change your meds after the episode like a year ago? Or was it just something that was just kind of like a random- wasn't happy with your med kind of thing um we changed my medications okay. um so after it happened you switched them up yeah interestingly enough antidepressants can cause you to cycle oh i mean so we went off my antidepressant and added a bipolar medication and, and that seemed to help everything. quite a bit oh that's that's good yeah we still i mean i understand the point of antidepressants but i in the colitis community, I've, I've seen antidepressants cause a lot of issues in different areas, especially relationships cause a lot of problems, but. Yeah. yeah antidepressants are not something to play with. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I've, I, I bring up mental health a lot because I talked a lot about it and it, it was a big kind of factor when I first got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. It's really depressed, suicidal at a point because with colitis, whole life changed. And, and a lot of diagnoses are like that. You know, you get diagnosed with something, everything changes. Yeah. You know, your, your social life, your work life, your family life, everything. Energy levels, pain levels, all of it changes. Um, and I didn't talk about it when I was dealing with it and kind of just made it through, which I don't suggest anybody do. You know, talk to a professional, find something mm-hmm. that helps with it. Um, but no, I, I try to talk about it and I try to bring it up a lot because in the, in the colitis and Crohn's community, it's a very common thing. You know, when people talk about depression, um, yeah. doctors prescribe their antidepressants and I see a lot of relationships on the stress of whatever they're getting diagnosed with, you know, it can kill your sex drive. It kind of just kills a relationship and then create more issues. Um, mm-hmm. and I think in America in general, mental health doesn't get enough attention and Oh, certainly not. Certain times medications, you know, there's definitely the right time for it. But I think yeah. medication's not the one fix all for depression. Like, you know. Right. Yeah, I've been in therapy since I was in college. Therapy, finding something that, you know, kind of lets you relax because everybody's different, you know. Mm-hmm. Dry, taking a pill in the morning, it's not, not the answer for everybody. Sometimes it's just talking to people, you know, makes a big yeah. difference. Just whether it's a therapist, whether it's one of the groups where it's, you know, the chronic illness groups, your specific diagnosis group, or I know personally, like surprisingly up until this podcast, like I am not a social person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the weirdest person to be doing a, a, a podcast because I am, you know, an introvert a hundred percent. But this lets me do it in my room at my computer. So it works out. I don't have to go anywhere public. Yeah, um, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love, photography I've only been doing it for like two years now but photography for me is one of those things like if I'm having a bad day you know depressed stressed out whatever that's like my escape mm-hmm. let me just go take some pictures of nature because I do nature photography I don't do it like for I, I do it for some friends and stuff but I don't do it to make money um right so, so yeah no it's mental health is super important yeah I like making things so I knit and I sew and I embroider and that's, that's the thing I try to talk about all the time. She's like, you know, 
especially for those of us in the chronic community where our illness and, you know, or disability is, is kind of restricting us from do things, doing things, whether it's work, whether it's social life, you know, we're, we're more restricted. So we tend to have more time. Mm-hmm. Try to fill it with something like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be complicated, like knitting, you know, super chill, do it at home. It's not like you have to go climb a mountain to do it. It's just finding that hobby that helps because the way, yeah. the way I look at, you know, mental health, depression, um, and even the emotional health of it is, you know, we have like a tank and you can fit so much stuff in the tank that stresses you out, that bothers mm-hmm. you and everybody's capacity is different. And once you get to the top, that smallest little thing pushes you over the edge and that's where it gets bad. So when you mm-hmm. can take away certain stresses or certain things, like, okay, it's not going to, you know, you can't fix everything. Life, life happens, especially with a chronic illness. You know, there's a lot of stresses we have to deal with. Yeah. So when we can get kind of some of them off our plate or take some of them and distract ourselves with something else that kind of lets us cool down and then come back at it with a, you know, kind of a peaceful mind and be like, all right, cool. This is what I got to deal with. Let's, let's deal with this issue, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's super important. And I think not a lot of, uh, not enough people prioritize mental health and whatever it is. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a gamer for a long time. Gaming was my thing. It's like a lot of people Mm -hmm. see it as wasting time, but I'm chilling with my friends. I'm relaxing. Like I'm not focused on all the the medical stuff, especially when I was first getting diagnosed. It's just, it's nice to kind of step back. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I actually went to the Mayo Clinic. They have a pain rehabilitation center. Okay. Um, so I did that program for three weeks. And one of the things that they said is that distraction is a viable tool. If you, that's what you need, then go for it. No, it's it's because especially for people that are just getting diagnosed with things, you're getting hit with so many things, so mm-hmm. many questions. You're dealing with whatever pain you're dealing with. You got to talk to this doctor, that doctor, your medical records didn't go from one doctor to the next doctor. You got to mm-hmm. repeat yourself a million times to everybody, especially friends and family. Cause you know, everybody asks you the same question 10 billion times. Yeah. And it's a lot, you know, you're always focused on it. Um, and I touched a little bit on that in the rules for chronic living that I kind of came up with is like, you know, set those boundaries. You got to put limits on people, even if they're family, like, Hey, no, you just, you just need to chill. Like, just leave me alone for a couple of days. I need to chill. I'll tell you when I tell you, you know, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. I need, I need my space. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people are afraid of that. Cause it's like, wow, you know, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. Like a lot of people around you, are, they don't deal with anything. Like, you know, they don't have any health issues. They don't have anything they got to deal with. And they're just overly nosy and just need to know. Some people are worried, yeah. you know, you're going to have those people that are worried, but some people, they just mm-hmm. want to know to want to know. Yeah. They can wait. You know, you got to take care of yourself and you got to, you got to make time to relax because you're exposed to it all the time. So just, you know, dedicate Mm -hmm. those days to you binging your favorite show, playing your favorite game, doing some photography, knitting, drawing, writing. There's so many options. Yeah. There's so many things you can do. And, um, my therapist has always said that you want to try not to isolate and isolating and being alone are different things. Being alone is okay. Mm-hmm. Isolating is in my case, isolating was very much not talking to people 
and not doing anything. And that's, yeah. And I mean, there definitely is a difference, you know, when you, when you gotta kind of separate yourself and be like, all right, you know, I'm just, and you take some space this is, this is for me you can get some recharge time and come back out versus just shutting everybody out. Cause I, I definitely did some of that when I started, I talked about that a little bit in relationships. I definitely killed a really good relationship because I just shut that person out. Completely. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Nope, I'm isolating. I, I did exactly. I put myself in a little box and I'm like, Nope, I'm staying in here. Just, I don't want to deal with anybody, which is just yeah. not good. Kind of feel the depression, which is why I talk about it. It's like, let you know, I, I messed up, probably didn't do the things the greatest, so don't don't do what I did. Oh. Yeah, I've had I've that. had family members pick up on a depressive episode before I did because I wasn't talking to them. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's a good support system. Yeah, I've got like, I've got that's very a good, good support people. system. That's a good support system. And, and people that don't have that, like there's groups for that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, your diagnosis for me, it's the colitis group, which I didn't find out until like three years ago. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, how did I not miss? How did I miss all of this during the most important time it would have helped? Um, but there's there's a ton of groups and there's so many people to talk to. Like I posted for this podcast in three places. I posted on a schoolie page because i think living in a schoolie is cool and i was curious if anybody had a chronic illness that was living in a a schoolie found a couple people and i Mm -hmm. posted in the crohn's and colitis and then i posted in a chronic you know chronic support group the amount of people that responded was way more than i expected like i expected like five Mm -hmm. six people i had like a hundred plus people respond yeah between comments between just messaging me it was a lot and it's all just people that wanted to just talk, you know, come on, have a conversation. So there's so many people in the groups that are willing to kind of talk to you, relate on things or just listen. So if you don't have that support group at home, there's so many people that will help, like, that'll be that support group for you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I found personally that the more I talk about it, even just among the people that I see in person, the more people I find who are at the very least willing to listen, if not actually understand because they have something of their own. No, that, I mean, that's a big thing I've noticed since I started doing the podcast. Cause I, I put it a little bit on my Facebook for my friends. Um, and I talk about it like at work and people I'm around on a regular basis. And one it helps me narrow out and understand where people are on the understanding like scale. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you are completely oblivious to anything in life. You have no understanding of what a chronic illness is. Cool. I understand where you are in the IQ scale and in, in the understanding scale, which is important because mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, especially with the people you're close with understanding how much they care beyond I mean, it's, it's a massive part of who you are as a person, but beyond the person that they see, especially when you have an invisible illness is I think right. important. Like I keep a, I keep a small social group, like close friends, because I know that there are all those people that are like, understand 
and I don't have to justify anything too, which is really important. Versus having a big social group where it's like five people understand, then I hang out with 20 people that are like, hey, let's have a drink or hey, eat some spicy food. And it's like, no, I told you this a million times. It's not a good idea for me. Yeah. So yeah, finding that right support group, super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as long as you have an internet connection, it's not hard to find. There's a lot of good people out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been running into a lot of them, which is really cool. And I mean, one of those things too, like if you have a, if you have an illness or a disease that's super rare, join some of the other groups. Cause we, we all deal with like 70 to 80% of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, 20 to 30% is our disease or our illness or disability that's specific to whatever we have. The other 70 to 80% is like all the tests you got to deal with, how everything changes, dating, doctors, like we all deal with it. It might be a different type of doctor, but we still deal with the doctors that we have to explain things to a million times and don't listen to us. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you run into any of those at all? Like doctors that you've had trouble with? Or no, because you got kind of the early diagnosis on the hard one. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky with my doctors. And I know I've been lucky. Um, That's good. That's good. But yeah, I have had um, places where I've seen there's several doctors on staff. And it just doesn't get from one doctor to the next necessarily what's going on. Um. But the doctors I've seen consistently have been pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've kind of run into that. Like I go to a certain gastroenterologist for my colitis and he's really good, like really good, really good at communicating. I don't have to actually go in to deal with certain things. Like I can leave the nurses a message. They'll transfer the message over to him and the nurses will call me back. Like, really cool. Mm-hmm. And they're in like a whole group. My, um, my roommate was having some issues with possibly IBS and went to a different doctor in the group and she's just having a bunch of problems. So yeah, not always necessarily the entire group that's bad. It's just, you might have a doctor that's either inexperienced or, you know, time to time to kind of switch it up and shop around. But no, thankfully more recently, I've been pretty good. I can't say, Mm -hmm. you know, seven years into my diagnosis, I was still learning things that I probably should have learned like day one from certain doctors, but yeah. That happens. There's just so much to learn, though, that something's going to get forgotten. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to lie, like my doctor that I have now, he sent me to get a, a second opinion up in Richmond. It's a couple hours away from me. And the doctor out there deals with people that have Crohn's and colitis that lean pretty much to the moderate and severe side. So when you, you kind of deal with symptoms on a regular basis and you have to have some medication to maintain it. And it's going there to kind of get a second opinion to up the dosage or up the frequency of my infusion that I get. Mm -hmm. And this guy was great. Like I got there and he's like, here's your packet. I'm like, what the hell do you mean packet? Oh, here's your colitis packet. I'm like, what is this? He's like, that is all the need to know information that you should know right off the bat that your colitis can affect when it's flaring up and questions you should ask about your disease and keep track of. And I was like, oh my God this guy is amazing yeah so that sounds awesome 
I don't have him as like a primary doctor because I, I still deal with the normal guy that I deal with, but just, just things like that. And kind of understanding that if you feel like your questions aren't getting answered, it's because they're probably not. And you can always get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what else, what else do you think is important for everybody to know about fibromyalgia or bipolar disease, disorder or disease? Uh, it's bipolar disorder. Disorder. Okay. Um, yeah. Or, um, I can't remember. It's also been called manic depression. So those are the same thing. Different names. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess the big thing about fibromyalgia is it does affect every little thing, even if it doesn't look like it. One of those kind of, well, I guess they're both both invisible, but yeah. 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 Invisible pain is not fun. Yeah. Because you look perfectly normal and you do not feel even remotely close to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I got off relatively light. Um, There are people with fibromyalgia who are truly crippled with pain. Um, I can manage. There's just a lot of things that I have to do to manage. So here's a question since I've been kind of asking, um, do you take anything for the fibromyalgia? Yes. Okay. Um, what do you take? I take Pregabalin. Um, okay. The brand name is Lyrica. Okay. And a few other things, but the Pregabalin is the big one. The that one. Okay. You have to find the right dose before it helps. But as soon as I found the right dose, it made a difference overnight for me. Oh, so it kicked in that quick. And is that something that kind of like prevents it from flaring up or just helps with the pain or a combination of both? Um, It helps with the pain. It's a nerve painkiller as opposed to um, like inflammation or anything like that. This helps to kill pain at the level of the nerves, which is where they think the pain comes from mostly because they can't figure out anything else yeah i mean inflammation you can usually see yeah at some you know with some test of some sort Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's at the you know the blood level or you know it's something you can see physically on your skin or something you generally see inflammation or swelling of some sort you know Mm -hmm. i can understand with a nerve nerve pain which is why fibromyalgia is imagine more challenging to uh to diagnose you don't really have any signs of it Mm -hmm. yeah hurting to hurt so exactly so in tennessee is weed legal out of curiosity no no okay (laughs) They, they just legalized medical here um okay i can't because of my job and I don't think they actually, they legalized it here to have, and you can have it as long as you're growing it. They're not going to start dispensing it until like 2024. 
okay. um, and like, you know, go pick it up at this, at a, I guess, dispensary kind of thing and get prescriptions for it. But yeah. I ask about it a lot because I'm curious, you know, the different states, what they allow. Um, and whenever it comes to pain, because I have had some people that are just, you know, chronic pain. I've I've talked to somebody with fibromyalgia um, and a couple other forms of chronic pain. And in the past brought it up with pain contracts for your, your heavy duty painkillers like Oxycontin and the ones you usually get addicted to. Yeah. And I bring it up because I know I look into it a lot, the CBD and THC oils, for mm-hmm. Crohn's and colitis, because it helps with that you know, digestive inflammation. But I know it can also have, um, it can help with pain as well. Granted, I don't know if the oil does, does pain super well. There's different I guess different methods of getting it yeah into your system but i, I always ask because i'm curious because i haven't i haven't run into anyone yet that's gone to it and i always ask because all the medications i've been on i've always gotten some of the nasty side effects so whenever mm-hmm. there's a natural option that actually helps I'm, I'm very interested in it yeah most of the people i've talked to who have tried weed for fibromyalgia it has made a difference at least mm-hmm. a little bit okay at least while it's in effect. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, um, that's understandable. So the only yeah. reason I haven't tried um, CBD or something like that yet is I'm not sure how it would interact with the other medications I'm taking. And um, I have yet to find a doctor. Who knows? Who knows? Because yeah. they haven't been able to do a lot of research on it. I mean, I've, I've had some CBD before. Um, cause I mean, it's, that's not illegal. I don't, I don't think it's illegal anywhere. Um, I don't think so. I, think so. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's not, I mean, it's not here, but I don't know about other places. Um, I don't, I never really noticed anything with it. I know I tried like the gummies for sleep and stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I want like the, the medical stuff that has the THC is because it's a lot more regulated and yeah, can be very specific at the dosage. And I mean, stuff you buy online, like CBD gummies, like it might say, oh, you know, a thousand milligram or whatever it is. And it's like, they don't have to verify it if it's not through, there's a couple different organizations that verify multi you know, supplements because it falls under a supplement. Mm-hmm. But I know for Crohn's and colitis in the states that have allowed it, um, like Colorado and the states that have kind of been there for a while, a lot of people with severe Crohn's and colitis are starting to try the combination of CBD oil with THC oil. So, you know, a certain amount of CBD versus a certain amount of THC, not Mm -hmm. to the point where you get high, but the combination of the two does really good with digestive inflammation. Um, Okay. And, and when it comes to Crohn's and colitis, the pain comes from your digestive tract. So it can help with the pain aspect as well. Mm. Um, but the THC is really good at resolving inflammation in your, your digestive tract. And the CBD, from my understanding, is really good at kind of preventing it in the future. So the combination of the two do really good at keeping you from flaring up and helping if you are flaring up. Yeah. And there's different dosages based on if you, you're having a flare up, you need a higher dosage, which you do get high from, but I find a lot of people just take it at night to kind of help with the flare up at night. And then the normal dosage during the day that doesn't get you high. So you can still function like a, a normal human being. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I always ask, but I need to find somebody like 
talk on the podcast that actually uses CBD and THC of some degree. Yeah. Because I've read a lot about it online and people that do it, but I, I want to find someone that I actually talk to a little more than an article that they write in a blog or something. Because mm-hmm. I'm curious. Yeah, I think I forget which medication it was, but the mental health medications, um, one of my doctors was worried that it would interact with that in a Got bad it. way. Got it. Um, just she meant what she mentioned was that if you get too much serotonin in your system, it can cause seizures. Oh, with that with that medication. Yeah. Got it. Got it. it your body processes high amounts of serotonin differently from the medication. And I mean, that's understandable. I've always just wanted it one because my infusion is ungodly expensive. Mm-hmm. And even though I have insurance now, it's still always concerning because when your infusion's $8,000 every six weeks, like that's a big number mm-hmm. to have over your head. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, well, if I change jobs and my insurance changes, now I got to deal with, okay, well, when can I accept the position? Cause I got to time it with my infusion because insurance doesn't necessarily kick in day one to start getting approval of stuff. Like you got to pick the insurance and sign up for it. And it takes a little while. So it's just like, well, CBD oil is natural and a bottle for the month's like a couple hundred bucks. If I don't have insurance, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. It's a lot better than, Hey, my insurance hasn't kicked in yet. Cause I need a pre-approval for my infusion. Well, you're, you didn't get the pre-approval in time. That's $8,000 please and thank you it's just like oh, yeah i'm good i'm good so yeah it's crazy there's so many things that i think the u.s can do better to take care of its people especially those of us with chronic illnesses um i hate it because people don't understand the cost behind it like yeah. everyone knows that cancer is expensive Everyone knows cancer is expensive because cancer is such a bad disease and cancer is the most expensive diagnosis that you can get in the United States. Mm -hmm. Even if you have amazing insurance, the out-of-pocket cost is the highest. Crohn's and colitis, I think are like third and fourth or second and third because the CDC does like the average cost in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And the amount like out-of-pocket on average in the U.S. is between eight and $13,000 a year with insurance. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a stupid amount of money. Eight to 13 grand a year, three years, you got a brand new car. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, the past six years, I think I've spent about 40 and I have good insurance. And it's just like, yeah. it's excessive. I would, I would love to have a house. If I didn't have colitis, I'd have a hell of a down payment. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it because it's an invisible disease. So I don't look like I cost eight thousand dollars a year right just to stay like functional as a human being or like or yeah out of pocket eight thousand or you know like you you're i mean imagine your medications add up a lot every month especially if you don't have insurance like yeah some people without insurance it's like a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars a month just to be a normal functional person to go to work Mm -hmm. and that's to be a normal functional person to go to work and still be tired and still have your bad days where it hurts or you have no energy to even get out of bed and you still have to go to work. And then a lot of private jobs or retail jobs specifically 
because you don't have the energy, but you're still able to get to work. Well, now you're underperforming. Right. It's like, I came here and I feel like I'm dying and I'm underperforming. Like Sally called out last week because she had gas. Like, (laughs) so this is that unrealistic expectation, unfortunately, in the private, private area. And yeah. When you say like me in Virginia, right to work state, they can get rid of you for no, like they don't need to justify a reason to fire you as an employer. Right. So. Yep. Is it, is it the same in Tennessee? Is it a right to work state? Um, I don't know because I'm under a contract. Um, and the woman. You are covered. (laughs) That's. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a sort of right to work contract, but the woman that I'm working for is based out of California. Oh, so she's super so, chill. Yeah, it's sort of a um, for any reason, but there does have to be a reason. Got it. Got it. So she at least has to have a reason, not just like, hey, I'm done. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's I know that's a struggle with a lot of people, and 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 I think that's part of you know the awareness side of it, and why I do want to kind of have more of a conversation around chronic illnesses, because I remember a point where, especially like the first time I went to the hospital when I got back, I was treated so differently. I was constantly getting right written up, like they were trying to fire me, and mm-hmm. once I left that retail job and kind of went on to the next one, like. I was so petrified of telling anybody anything yeah. at work yeah. because I didn't like, I didn't want to get treated. Like I, I didn't want to get treated. Like I was lesser of a person because I'm dealing with something and that mm-hmm. if God forbid I'm sick or we're just going to get rid of you. You're not worth keeping around as an employee. Yeah. Like it, it was, yeah, it was, it was scary. Cause it's like, God, you don't know what your manager's going to say. Like, you don't know how your coworkers are going to say, cause I've run into that. Like when I used to work retail, it would be, be like that one employee that would be super pissed off. Cause I'm having a bad day and I don't have the energy to do anything. Like, Oh, you're just taking advantage of your disease. Like, no, <laughs> you can't even fathom the amount of pain that I'm dealing with right now. And I'm still here. So don't want to hear it. Yep. Don't want to hear it. Yeah. I I did lose a job um, to, at the time it was undiagnosed bipolar. Um, so what it looked like from the outside is a sort of flakiness. And I sometimes I was great and sometimes I wasn't. It's kind of the depression side of it, I take it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. He even used the word cycling and we still didn't pick up on the bipolar for another year or so. Damn. So. Yeah, it's one. I think like bipolar disorder and other, other mental health disorders or diagnoses, they're, I think they're not diagnosed as quickly at times because nobody wants to say they're depressed like yeah it's it's not a fun conversation to have 
and it's it's one of those things i think at the doctor's office like whenever i check in a doctor they always give you that little list of like you know do you smoke do you drink do you do this that drugs whatever you're pregnant Mm -hmm. all those questions and it's like are you depressed nobody wants to check yes yeah why the last thing i want to do is check yes on a piece of paper saying i'm having a bad day because i've never like talked to a doctor about it formally Mm -hmm. i've seen some people in the groups that have talked to them like you know you check yet you have thoughts of suicide check yes it's like well should i run this podcast and we talk about depression and suicide so do i have thoughts of suicide I mean, I think about it. Yeah. Cause we talk about it. You can never have yeah. that logical conversation of like, yeah, no, you know, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. Well, oh my God, you're going to die. Like, no, I'm feeling depressed. Cause I have a lot of medical debt. Like it's going to go away. It just sucks that I can't go do things because I'm broke kind of like we can't, mm-hmm. that's never a conversation you can just have with like a normal doctor from what I've, I've found from people that are like, oh my God, you have depression. Like they lock you up and they're like, are you going to, thinking about killing just like no i just i got a lot i'm dealing with i'm just kind of a little depressed it's it's situational in some cases and yeah it's i think it's sad that you can't have that conversation like why are you depressed well you know i lost my job i relationship died and i got a bunch of medical debt because of my disease like i think it's a logical thing to have a little bit of depression around Mm mm-hmm like you know what happens There's there's a lot of stuff that's changing there's a lot of stuff you used to enjoy that would get rid of a lot of you know stress in your life that you can't do anymore that's a logical reason i feel like unfortunately in the u.s you can't have like a logical conversation with a lot of people about depression it's like oh you're depressed just automatically goes to oh my god you're gonna kill yourself or you're gonna hurt other people it's like no i just i just can't go do things with my friends like i'm just gonna stay inside it's just fun like i'm not gonna go do something bad i'm just having a bad day so many extremes yeah and it's it's really sad because in the u.s you can't it's not as common that you can have a normal conversation around it um but then people wonder why people get so bad and they get pushed so much to the extreme and it's like well you didn't want to talk about it so they dealt with it in a poor manner because they didn't have somebody to talk to yeah so so i tried to talk about it because i was definitely in a very bad place when i first got diagnosed so yeah i i resemble that remark <laughs> yeah no it, i was, it was oh. Yeah, in some ways, I didn't realize how bad a place I was in. Um, again, until someone from the outside pointed out that I wasn't really doing anything. When I was dealing with it, I knew. And I mean, I knew how bad it was getting. Mm-hmm. But with colitis, everything progressively gets worse as you have a really bad flare-up so oh is it for me i thought i had food poisoning got diagnosed with colitis now i have to start taking all these medications had all these nasty side effects mood swings a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. and big lack of energy 
I have no idea what food I can eat. Like everything hurts. Something's way more than the other. So it's like, I don't want to go out with friends to go eat stuff. So I'm like, if somebody invites me to go out to eat or, you know, coworkers at the time, like, Hey, you want to go to the bar with everybody? I couldn't drink at the time, but I would still normally go and, oh, you know, you want some wings or something. It was just like, Oh God. Or when you're in the bathroom every 15 to 20 minutes, like that's embarrassing in general. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, Alex, you going to the bathroom again? Like, yeah, I know. Don't tell me yeah. that. I, like, I understand. Like, I'm going to the bathroom. I know how often I go. Like, it's great that you can sit there while I deal with this. So it's just, everybody already treats you differently. And you start to realize that. So by the time I got to the point where I was, like, super depressed, because it was, one, the majority of it was pain, because I was just in constant pain, because my colitis was so bad. Mm-hmm. I let it get worse than it should have. Very big part, my fault. Um, but... A lot of the time by your, you know, by the time you're at that point, you don't want to tell other people because they already treat you differently for the basic stuff that you deal with. Yeah. It's like, this is my disease. This is what I'm dealing with. And you guys can't even like adapt to that. God forbid I use the D word. Like, oh my God, I can't even imagine what you guys would say if I said I had, you know, I was feeling depressed or suicidal, like Mm -hmm. hold the phone. So it's, yeah, no, I, I definitely like kind of just bottled it up and dealt with it in a horrible manner. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of having a therapist. Um, yeah, I, I do I've, do that. <laughs> Looking back, I definitely showed up for certain points in life, but somehow I got by and I and I, I I try to say it a lot like you know if you need help go talk to somebody just mm-hmm. say hey I want to talk to you know asking to talk to a therapist is a lot easier than checking yes you have depression on the little check-in sheet at your doctor's office like hey yeah you know what I'm dealing with some stuff can I talk to a therapist like nobody's going to question that you check the little yes box on your doctor's appointment says feeling with some depression suicidal thoughts I feel like you get a very different reaction, which is not always the best and the one that people want. So just, you know, ask, be like, hey, I want to try out a therapist, you know? My diagnosis has been a lot lately. I've been a little stressed. Can I go, you know, I want to go talk to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. That is always an, like, if anybody questions you saying like, hey, I want to talk to a therapist because I've been dealing with a lot, you really need to question why that person's in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody should question that. Like everybody, I feel like working retail for almost 10 years, I feel like everybody needs a therapist at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. Some of the customers that would come in like, oh my God, you need like three therapists. You need to chill out. Your dishwasher's a couple days late. You'll be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everybody needs a therapist at some point in their life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely talk to somebody. I should have in the past. I didn't. Thankfully, I'm good now. And I I guess this could be a form of therapy for me, just talking on the podcast and other people. It's kind of Yeah. I, I mean, I enjoy it. It's super cool. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think my current therapist, who I've only been seeing since January, 
sometimes I wonder if he wonders why I'm in therapy because I don't have a lot going on right now, which is good. But um, just being in therapy helps. I think it's one of those things like I don't know about you, but I'm a creature of habit. Like I am super habitual. Mm -hmm. I have my little routine. I like my little routine. I know what foods I can eat. I like staying in my routine. So I can completely understand like staying at a therapist just because it's helped so much in the past. Like, why not? You have a bad day yeah. at work? Just go talk to your therapist. It's like, yeah, no, I had a bad day. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what went on? Sometimes it's like, I mean, I guess I vent a lot and talk about a lot of stuff on, on the podcast. So it's, it's similar to that. But sometimes you, know, you don't have a podcast to talk, talk on and you don't have a support system. Go to the therapist. They're there to listen to whatever you want to talk about. Like that's that's their job. Yeah. They'll listen. If you want feedback, you can ask for feedback. If not, they'll just listen. Like, hey, no, I just want to talk a little bit. I got some stuff going on. Can you just listen? And that can make a big difference, especially, especially if you work a high stress job. Like sometimes you just want someone to tell you that you're not the crazy one at the work work. And it's just, you know, the other person being unreasonable or mm -hmm. yeah, no, I can completely understand. Just you got a rhythm. You talk to them on a regular basis. Like why, why, why change was not, not broke. Like, yeah. If it's helped yeah, exactly. in the past, it can't hurt to keep doing it in the future. Like yeah and i think that's i think that's what some people need to learn too um and i've definitely done that in the past with medication like you're feeling good you're like oh, i don't need as much of this especially like the steroids and the nasty ones and you try to back mm -hmm. up or stop like stop going to the therapist and it's like all of a sudden start having having stuff going on because you you made some changes you shouldn't have changed like you know you're in a nice rhythm just just keep it keep it where it's at yeah. I definitely learned that one the hard way. Hmm. Yeah. One of the things that they really recommend for fibromyalgia <laughs> is keeping a routine. Oh, yeah. Um, my sleep routine is probably my strongest. Oh, God, it's probably my worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't consistently sleep for more than like five hours. It's, it's mm. like, I'll, I'll sleep for five hours and like five hours or five 30, I'll wake up. So if I want to get like 10 hours of sleep and I have to wake up, stay awake for an hour, then go back to sleep for another like five. It's, yeah. It's bad. That's, that's part of why I bring up weed because the CBD and THC, if I was taking it on a regular basis for my colitis would also help a little bit with the sleep. Or worst mm -hmm. case scenario, I could just take an edible before bed and just pass out. But <laughs> um, that's me. It's going to be a while before that can happen. But yeah, that would be something I would want like the federal government to approve. That way I wouldn't have to worry about it if like travel because that'd be another concern. Like, oh, it's legal here. But what if I want to go see my friends in Jersey or wherever and it's not legal there? It's yeah. like, well, what do I do for a week? Yeah. Like, I can't take it with me. Or if I take it with me, I might get in trouble and get arrested. So. I would want mm -hmm. it like legally because I do want to travel a little bit. Yeah. Once, you know, COVID's done being COVID and mm -hmm. have some medical debt, but yeah.
Yeah, I think I go to bed religiously at 9 p.m. I'm like a grandmother going to bed early. <laughs> and then that's not a bad thing. <laughs> that is not a bad I, thing. I certainly don't think so. I, I have some friends who tease me about it lightly, but no one maliciously. So I think a lot of people don't understand, like as an adult, eight hours of sleep is super important for specific reasons. Like the first four hours you're asleep, your body is focusing on physical restoration. So Mm -hmm. if you're working out, you know, it's helping your, your muscles rebuild themselves. If you hurt yourself or get injured, it's helping your body kind of recover from it. The last four hours is cognitive health. So it's your brain doing what it needs to do it's it's your brain essentially like deleting the deleted files and clearing the cache on your computer let your brain Mm -hmm. kind of reset um and if you're not sleeping enough you you probably run into like the fogginess in the afternoon because i get it a lot like if i if i only sleep five hours and i can't go back to sleep or i wake up five hours and there's only like three hours left so i go back to sleep and it's just not great I'll notice kind of in the afternoon, two, three o'clock, I'll start to have that brain fog where it's like, okay, a little harder remembering things at times and just a little slower in general. You're not as creative and it's, it's yeah. super important, super important. So yeah. as much as and I don't get, I try to stress it because I definitely notice, notice the rea- you know, response from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things with fibromyalgia is associated brain fog anyways yeah so you you need to sleep because you don't need extra brain fog on top of the brain fog like that's not good yeah i already have to write everything down my working memory is on a piece of paper i have to do that with like i mean i definitely have to do that with a lot of ideas i have especially when it comes to like the podcast and projects i'm working on like Mm -hmm. I have notes upon notes upon notes of just random sentences in my phone from just like, hey, this is a really good idea. Hey, this is a really good like thing I should say or thing I should focus on. And I have so many of them on my phone because it's, yeah, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Like if I'm busy and something pops in my head, if I don't write it down, like two minutes later, like, God, I had a great idea. What was it? Yeah. So I, I totally get that. And that's, for me, it's not so much the colitis and the medication on, it's just the sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the sleep. Yeah, my sleep has gotten better. I retrained myself to sleep, I think, with getting on a routine. Um, but at first, there was a long time I was taking sleep medication um, just because... I wasn't sleeping. Yeah, I've, I've debated doing the sleep studies. I just, I've been on so many different medications for colitis and I've had so many of the rare side effects that normal people don't get. Mm -hmm. I'm always super hesitant whenever like another medication is suggested to me. I'm like, do I really like, is it really needed? It's like, I'm bald because last year I shaved my head. I'm bald because five, four or five years ago, one of the medications that I was on, hair loss is a really common side effect. And it, I lost a lot of my hair. So ever mm-hmm. since then, I'm kind of like, ooh, if I don't need to take it, especially mm-hmm. with that list of side effects, like I really don't want to. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I have a nice beard. It works. 
I feel happier with bald and a beard than when I had a full head of hair. But it's still one of those things, like if I don't need it, or if it's going to solve this little tiny problem that I have, and it's going to cause all these other problems, like I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I don't like, like I had a colonoscopy at the beginning of the year. My doctor's like, hey, you know, you're flaring up a little bit, like a tiny bit, like two to 5%, which is nothing, especially because I have severe colitis. Like it's nothing. I, I flare up. It can be like 85 to 90% of my colon if it's super bad, which is mm-hmm. horrible. But like yeah. two to five percent, hell, if I go get spicy food, it bothers me more than two to five percent will ever bother me. Mm-hmm. So he gave me this medication. I didn't think anything of it. After like a week, I was having really bad mood swings. I'm like, what in the world? Like mm. magically depressed, magically angry. I'm like, there's nothing going on to cause this. Like I'm not, like I'm dealing with all the same issues I normally deal with and I'm okay with them. Like I understand where I'm at. Like, why is this a problem? Look it up. That is, that wasn't a common side effect. It wasn't an uncommon side effect. It was like a rare side effect. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? And then I stopped it. Oh, God, I had a bunch of withdrawal symptoms because I was only on it yeah. for a week. I'm like, what? I didn't even yeah. think it was that, that high of a tier of a medication to have the withdrawal symptoms. So I felt like crap for another week. I hate that. I hate the itchy skin. Like I get itchy skin like crazy when I go through withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. Well, I say skin, but it's like your bones itch and you just can't itch them. Oh, drives mm-hmm. me crazy. I was like, God, the mood swings are bad. Now I stopped taking it and everything itches. So, yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm, I'm always iffy about medication. It's like, if I don't need it, I try not to take it because I have been unlucky with the side effects and I don't. It's like Russian roulette when I pick side effects. It's horrible. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky when it comes to side effects. Um, if I take the medications right, which I do. Um, but some of my medications I've really had to build up to get to. And it's even harder to get off of them. Yep. When I had my um, manic episode and I came off my antidepressant, we, I came off it cold turkey. And it sucked. <laughs> was, it, uh, was it Cymbalta out of curiosity? Um, it was Effexor. Oh, okay. Because I, I had a lady that came on and was talking specifically, I think it was Cymbalta, which is another mm-hmm. antidepressant. Yeah, it's similar to Cymbalta. And she said there, there's like whole groups on it of the time frame you're supposed to wean yourself off of it because they don't really talk about the, the withdrawal symptoms of it. And there's not supposed to be, but there are. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I... The worst ones I've been on was that one random one that I was on for like a week, which was just mm-hmm. the itchy itchiness and kind of night sweats and stuff. But prednisone, like I was on a lot of prednisone, which is a steroid mm-hmm. when I first got yeah. colitis. And oh my God, if you forget like just to take it in the morning and go to work. Yeah. Oh, the withdrawal symptoms are horrible. And it's, it's a steroid. Like that put things into perspective for me of why people get addicted to like the hardcore drugs mm-hmm. because this isn't a hardcore medication. It's a steroid that's commonly used for a bunch of different things and the withdrawal symptoms. Cause I forgot it. Cause I was on higher dosages. Like I forgot to take it. Oh my God. I felt like I was like trying to jump out of my own skin from just the, like my body wanting it one 
Mm-hmm. I always get the stupid itchiness, which I don't understand, but I always itch like crazy. Snappy, like, and it was, it's not even supposed to be an addictive medication. It's just withdrawal symptoms because your body doesn't have it. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I can't even, like, I understand why people get on hard drugs and they stay on hard drugs because if they, they, they deal with anything like worse than that, especially if it's like tenfold because of the drugs that they're on, I understand why they don't ever get off of them. God. Yeah. Not, not only does it get you high and you feel great, like you want to take it just so you stop feeling the withdrawal symptoms, let alone mm-hmm. what else it does. So yeah, yeah, definitely. What you deal with some withdrawal stuff, it definitely puts things into perspective on people that deal with it on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, man, I feel bad for them. Like I could not. Nope. Which is good because the first time I was in the hospital, I was offered like some of the hardcore painkillers and i'm like no uh-uh mm, yeah nope i know myself this is not a good idea like there's some candy in the house i have no self-control and this is supposed to like get rid of all the pain nope 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 not a good idea <laughs> yeah like pain is all i deal with on a regular basis you're gonna tell me this gets rid of it like that it just sounds like a bad equation like candy only tastes great and i know it's horrible for me and mm-hmm. I regret it like an hour later after I eat the bag of sweet tarts. Like, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I give credit to the people that are addicted to hardcore stuff because they deal. I can't even imagine what it feels like not getting it. Yeah. Nope, nope. Yeah, my version of withdrawal symptoms tend to be very much in my head, but fog worse than anything that comes with just fibromyalgia like i barely functional um like a lot of people deal with brain fog not only from medications but from their disease or from the lack of sleep because of their disease or illness mm -hmm. it's a really common thing that a lot of people don't give enough credit to and it's not fun because i know sometimes when i deal with it like I'm just in a state where I'm just kind of like a vegetable and I don't like even the things I normally enjoy just don't seem to do anything. Yeah. It's just weird. Like I don't want to focus on anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to kind of just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. For me, sometimes it's not even, I don't want to, but I just can't. Yeah. Oh, that's true too. Um, Especially if I'm trying to do something like, right. I just, not functional at all no 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 Um, i've I've had a couple days where i didn't get enough sleep and had brain fog in the afternoon i've had to reschedule podcasts because it's like i don't even know how i'm going to do a podcast like i can't mm -hmm. i'm not functioning so i i totally get that like yeah no nothing productive gets done yeah yeah i personally think that the fatigue and the fog are the worst symptoms of fibromyalgia because Pain is pain. You can get used to that to a certain extent. Yeah, Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. But not functioning is not helpful in any way. I can agree with that. Like, the first time I flared up was the worst pain I have ever experienced in my life. And I've broken bones. I've had, like, I made a sparkler bomb at one point unintentionally and burnt my hands all up. 
Um, mm-hmm. And those were nothing compared. That was like a flick on the back of the head compared to colitis when it was at its worst. Yeah. But being in a flare up for like two months straight, I could say you get used to it. You do. Yeah. You really, it, it, it sounds horrible to say, like the worst pain you've ever been in, you get used to it. It just becomes a normal thing. I think it's background that, noise. It, it really is like you, you have ways that you deal with it. And I usually dealt with it mostly at night and I'd curl up in a ball and fall asleep somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, after you're kind of at that peak level of pain for a while, your body's just like, okay, we got to deal with this. Now, everything that might come from what's causing that pain, like for me, it was the lack of energy and not being able to do things because of my lack of energy. I think that sucked more. Mm-hmm. Like that'd be the most frustrating thing when I, like, I, I'm a big game. Like I still game a lot and I was an even bigger gamer back then when I wasn't working on like projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the most frustrating. Like I love, I love survival games and I love like first person shooters, things mm-hmm. like apex call of duty, those kind of things, just, you know, team games. Yeah. It's the most frustrating thing when you can't go out can't go hang out with your friends one because they're you know they're going and doing stuff maybe you don't have the energy for or in my case it's not a bathroom nearby the most mm-hmm. frustrating thing is like the one thing i want to do is just game with my friends and i can't even do that because a competitive game i don't have time to go to the bathroom four times in a game right like if i'm if i'm trying to play this game we're gonna lose because i'm not at the computer and i can't play so it's just like, okay, well, I don't want to keep playing this, you know, Minecraft. That's what I was playing at the time. Like, you yeah. want to play so much Minecraft for so long as a <laughs> gamer. You want to kind of mix it up. So it's, I, I get that, like not being able to do things or not having the attention span, like the brain yeah. fog. I could not play shooters because of my, I just couldn't focus. Yep. I couldn't focus or react fast enough to play a shooter game. And it's just like, well, there goes all my fun. Just going to sit over here and dig a hole in Minecraft. Don't mind me. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely get that. Like it's frustrating because it, it takes your ability to focus on the things that at least distract you away. Yeah. And the things that are fun too, the things that are fulfilling. Well, yeah, and that's, you can't focus on it, so you can't do it, and a lot of the things you want to focus on are things you, you know, really enjoy doing. Yeah. And those, the things you can focus on and have fun, the fun things are what distract you, because you're, you're focused on that moment, you're, you're enjoying it. So, it, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. The pain you get used to, as bad as mm-hmm. it is, like, not, not discrediting the pain, but you get used to it. Yeah. It sucks to say, it- but you get used to it. It never goes away, but no, it, I, I do think of my pain as background noise at this point. Yeah, you learn to tolerate it. Most of the time. Yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those things, especially when you have an invisible illness, if you don't mm-hmm. learn to tolerate it, like, you can't just shut down if you're in pain. Like, right. When you have a chronic illness, you're in pain for, like, months at a time, years at a time, or all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't just curl up in a ball for like the rest of your life. Like you still have to go be a functional human being. Like, got to pay your bills, got to do things. So you don't yeah. get to just shut down. 
a lot of people don't understand that like yeah you have the flu and you feel bad for like a day you get to go home and a couple days and you 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 know you feel tired you you get to take a break no like we Mm -hmm. feel bad all the time yeah you don't get unlimited sick time at work or you know (laughs) well and I say all the time when when you're you know when you're having a flare-up if it like I'm in remission now, so I'm pretty good. I, I have a couple of bad days around my infusion where I usually have a lack of energy and maybe a little bit of pain. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, for the most part, I don't have a ton of issues. But when I'm in a flare-up, oh, yeah, getting out of bed and taking a shower and getting dressed for the day is like climbing Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Like it seems impossible, the amount of energy that you have. So, anyway, I I definitely understand that. Yeah. Have you had anyone talk about spoon theory yet? I had one person talk about it. Okay. And being a spoonie. I'm going to be honest. I haven't looked into it a ton. Mm-hmm. Although I'm pretty sure I fall into that category. Um, I don't know. I don't I just say I have, I usually just say I have a broken butt. Like that's where I fall in. (laughs) (laughs) I have a broken butt. And if I eat stuff, certain stuff, it hurts. If I stress out too much stuff hurts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't have to do anything and stuff hurts. Like, (laughs) yeah, but no, no. So if you, I mean, if you want to talk about it, go for it. I I mean, taking a ton of time to look into it because I'm I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot about it from everybody I'm interviewing. So. Yeah, I mean, the short version is um, a woman was out to dinner with a friend and trying to explain how energy works when it's limited, like a lot of people with chronic illness have to deal with. And basically, she went around and gathered up all the spoons from all the tables at this restaurant, handed them to her friend and said, this is your energy. Let's walk through your day. And for everything that she did, she took a spoon or a couple of spoons or however many spoons she thought it was worth and used that as an example, sort of a metaphor for the amount of energy that you have, the limitedness of the energy that you can have sometimes. Um, And then she posted about it on her blog and it sort of blew up to become spoon theory. Um, and a lot of people identify with it. Um, I do to some extent consider myself a spoonie. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I probably fall in that category. It's, I say it's not as bad now as it used to be, but yeah, no, a lot of people don't realize your chronic illness takes up a massive chunk of your energy just mm-hmm. being alive. It's, it's like your, you know, your body burns a certain amount of calories every day, just keeping you alive. Your yeah. body needs a certain amount of fuel to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. Just to breathe, just to, just to sit there and breathe. Um, and then, you know, you're active, you do more things, you burn calories by going out and doing things and you need more energy based off of it. Well, think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, that, that basic level of energy that's being used. Yeah, your disease or illnesses is making that basic level of energy skyrocket that's needed yeah because like colitis and Crohn's two big things that play in energy is one you have ulcers in your digestive tract 
wherever there's an ulcer, your body cannot absorb nutrients because there's essentially like an open wound, an open sore. Mm -hmm. So your body's less effective at absorbing nutrients. Well, the worse it gets, the more ulcers there are and the more sores there are, so the less effective you are at absorbing nutrients. On top of that, with colitis, you lose a lot of blood through those open sores in your digestive tract. Mm -hmm. Well, now your body's got to work to replenish that blood that you're losing, which takes a lot of energy. Same thing as like, mm -hmm. if you get a, go to the blood drive, they give you the little crackers and stuff. Cause yeah, your body just, your body's going to be trying to do a lot to replace that energy. So it gives you kind of something, sugars and stuff to yeah. rebuild it with. Yeah. Imagine that like all the time. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely follow that. I just, I've ever used the verbiage myself, but mm -hmm. I 100% understand. Like, yeah, no, that's definitely a thing, and I've definitely dealt with it. Yeah. And one of the things that Spoon Theory has developed since this original blog post as well, and they talk about in case of emergency, you can borrow spoons from the next day, but it's going to make for a bad day the next day. And if you don't use up all your spoons, sometimes you get a couple extra the next day. Sometimes you don't. It just depends. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. When my colitis is acting up, nope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nothing carries over because there's no extra. <laughs> yeah. There's no extra. Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in spoon debt. Yeah. My body's finding energy that it shouldn't have, and I don't know where it comes from. Like, that's how low I am on energy mm -hmm. and I used to I used to joke about it as bad as it is like the first time I went to the hospital I had like minor organ failure in most mm -hmm. of my organs because I lost so much weight and I wasn't absorbing any nutrients my body was eating itself mm. I went from 165 ish down to like 105 in like three weeks oh wow and I have a twisted sense of humor because <laughs> I have a broken butt. Like, you know, you, at some point you have to have a sense of humor around it. Mm -hmm. So after I got out of the hospital, if I was still, you know, still mild flare up, I was having a bad day. I'd, I'd kind of throw out the occasional joke. I'm like, well, don't have the energy to do that. I'm like, that's ah, just my liver. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, nope, nope. Don't need that organ today. That's all right. We could do good with one kidney. My body can use the other one for energy, kind of. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, technically, my body was at that point where it was just eating the lesser important organs for energy. Yeah. It's not good. Like, no, no, that, that's really bad. But it had just started to get that bad. So, yeah, that was bad. Mm -hmm. It was bad. Like, when I say I let it get way worse than it should have, yeah. Teenagers should not be giving chronic illnesses because they don't know how to communicate, especially if you're a boy. It's a bad, bad combo. Yeah. So I can say I was dumb because I was dumb. Was I dealing with a lot? Yes, but I don't I don't personally use that as an excuse because I could have handled a lot of things better than I did. Yeah. To some I extent, though, it's what our culture tells us, though. So we have to be strong and push through it and going to the hospital is like a weakness or something. Well, yeah, you know, it goes back to, it goes back to mental health and how people treat you. Like, mm -hmm. 
they don't see anything wrong with you, especially if you have a you know visible illness. So because they can't see anything wrong with you, they expect you to be fully functional. They don't understand. Yeah. Like I look well, I say I look perfectly fine. I was skinny as hell because I lost a ton of weight, but mm-hmm. on the outside I looked fine. I had minor organ failure across half my organs. The only reason mm-hmm. I went to the hospital because I went out to I remember it. I went out to dinner with my girlfriend at the time, and halfway through eating, got up because I was feeling nauseous because half the time food didn't stay down. Threw up, and I was puking up blood. I was like, well, mm. I have colitis. That's at the end of my digestive tract, not at the beginning. That's really bad. Yeah. So I would have let it got worse if I didn't wasn't throwing up blood because I was still just suffering through it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Mental health and how other people treat you affects massive amounts because, you know, you still want to go to work. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to let people down and they tell you to just, oh, it can't be that bad. So honestly at a certain point like once once you get used to the pain and people tell you it can't be that bad you unfortunately sometimes you start to believe them like oh maybe i am just being a little baby yeah no no my body's dying i just don't don't realize it plus i also have a high pain tolerance just in general i have kind of forever so that didn't help Mm -hmm. so the pain that i thought was bad was a lot worse but I didn't realize it was worse. So, yeah. 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 It's. Yeah. Chronic illnesses with, are confusing. Yeah. And there's also the whole issue of figuring out what's chronic and what's not when you're actually sick. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep, because everything it's, comes back to oh god, is you know for me is my colitis acting up? Like I had mm-hmm. my two COVID shots. Mm, one was a week yeah. before my infusion. One was two weeks after my infusion. I was like, oh, you know, do you have any side effects or anything? I'm like, I don't know. How'd you <laughs> feel? I was tired. I felt like crap. Oh, it must have been the COVID shot. I don't know. I also got an infusion around the time, same time. It could be my colitis. It could be the COVID shot. It could be the two of them together. It could have been my infusion. Like I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on that, talking to COVID, it's like other illnesses are confusing. Half of the COVID symptoms were like normal things I deal with on a day-to-day basis because I have colitis. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any other COVID symptoms? Like, yeah, I have colitis. Hmm. Like I've had COVID symptoms for the past 10 years. Like, well, I mean, do I have any of the COVID? I can still smell things and they taste good. So I don't know. So yeah, no, I understand that. It's always like, you're confusing things like, Oh God, now you're worried. Like, Oh my goodness. My colitis today. Is it colitis acting up or is it COVID? Or do I have the flu? Like, I don't know. I've had the colitis forever. So let's start there and hope it's not one of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I still very much feel like I have mono. It's similar symptoms anyway. Yeah. Um, and so when I get things like if I were to get the flu or even just a really bad cold, I may or may not notice. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely understand that. It's just, it's confusing. 
-hmm. and depending on what you have there's no like roadmap especially like Crohn's and colitis like say all the time you can have 10 people that have ulcerative colitis that are the exact same level of colitis that have same diet same medications and everything and every single person is going to react different and have different symptoms and things they have mm -hmm. different things that trigger them so there's there's no like oh do this follow this magical book and it'll all be good or just yeah do you know x y and z and you'll never be in pain no you can do everything right you can have the best diets best workout you can be like on point mental health wise no issues great relationship and you can still have issues mm -hmm. colitis can still be like nope not today that's too much fun <laughs> ah, ah, ah you didn't say the magic word like calm down I just I just want yeah. to go out to eat like so yeah no that's that's beyond frustrating and sometimes it's like god if I could make a deal with my colitis like hey can we chill out for a week and like chill out for a week and I'll give you exactly what you want like we'll eat we'll drink and sure I won't eat any fast food nothing bad we can sleep for like a week straight nope nope there's just there's no no anything mm -hmm. just so if you're like come on just give me a like a good day and god forbid like i tried i i was meal prepping for a while during covid i tried switching and being super healthy i'm like you know what i'm gonna do chicken and rice season it different ways i'm gonna do some veggies one of my favorite veggies squash and zucchini mm -hmm. squash and zucchini even if you steam them the skin is too tough so when i had it like three days in a row Cause my colitis to act up. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm. I'm trying to be healthy. I didn't use any butter, no fake stuff, a little bit of olive oil to cook everything. And you're still unhappy. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. I'm trying to be good to you and you're just not happy. And that's, that's what a lot of chronic illnesses are. Like you can be as nice as you want. And they're just like, no, I'm going to murder you. It's like, <laughs> but I didn't do anything. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. All right. Anything else you want to touch on? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I personally think fibromyalgia is really interesting and can talk about it forever. <laughs> I mean, but there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I think I think yeah. I, I talk about colitis way too much now, which hmm. I feel like some people at work are like, okay, Alex, we get it. <laughs> I'm just like, but do you? Oh. I mean, you're always welcome to come back for another episode if you want. I've been doing some follow-ups and I have a good old list. So Yeah, sure. I'd be I'd be glad to. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you in the next one.